Welcome to the Proclaim and Defend podcast, a ministry of the Foundations Baptist Fellowship International. We seek to encourage and inform pastors on modern day topics from a biblical perspective. Our mission is to bring together like-minded Baptists to collaborate in glorifying God through fulfilling the Great Commission. Greetings everyone, it's Don Johnson with the Proclaim and Defend podcast. Well, today uh, we are going to be introducing the latest issue of our Frontline magazine. The subject is for this magazine is The God of Beauty. Now, you probably are thinking, you know, I sort of have a pretty good idea of what beauty is. And I suppose we all think we know what beauty is. When we see something that's beautiful, probably most people agree with our assessment. Maybe you're in one of those statistical categories of people who find that you are on the outlier of those things that you think are beautiful. But in any case, how do we get to decide what really is beautiful? And is there a way to decide it? Well, many men have wrestled with this subject. There's this idea, you know, is beauty totally subjective? Is it something that comes from inside me? Like, you know, what I like, you know, that that defines beauty. There are people who believe that. And you can get pretty bizarre ideas about what, what is beautiful at least from my perspective anyway, <laughs> that uh, that you wonder about uh, what they are, what are they thinking? Uh, but we won't get into some of the politics of that. But the, on the other hand, the question is, is beauty objective? Is it outside of ourselves? Is there a standard somehow that we can discern and sort of apply and teach ourselves about beauty? That would be helpful if we could say, okay, here's the rule. This is beauty. And uh, then we could apply that to things, and and we could be right more often than wrong. Well, who gets to decide these questions? Well, it wouldn't be any surprise, I don't think, to say from for our perspective, as we understand the Bible, the answer is in the Bible. The title of our magazine gives away our perspective, The God of Beauty. So our magazine this time uh, was coordinated by Mark Herbster, uh, he's uh, sort of well-known in our circles. He's been lately at Maranatha Baptist University. Uh, he's moving on to uh, other ministries. Uh, he'll tell you a little bit about that. In the interview, I interviewed him about the whole magazine. Uh, he's uh, he's coordinating it. He didn't actually write any articles in it. And so we are going to be making uh, his whole... He has the opening editorial, so we'll put that up for everybody. And uh, we encourage you to get the magazine if you haven't already and read it all. The uh, I think it was in the, put in the mail a couple of weeks before Christmas, but we've sort of delayed doing the podcast because, well, Christmas was in the way. Wanted to get a fresh start to the new year. So that's what's going on. And uh, I think you'll enjoy what Mark has to say. And we've interviewed a good many of the authors for the, this issue already, and those um, interviews will be coming in due course. They give you, our writers give you uh, an overview of beauty, uh, directing our thinking towards the Bible, towards how uh, we can establish a biblical standard. And, you know, there's there's a certain aspect of this, as you might think, is a little bit philosophical and sort of not very practical. But I will say this, that, you know, you're all aware of the worship wars that, go on or have gone on for several decades now in the church as some people want to bring in uh, a worldly sound into the church services. And in, in the reality, if it's just a matter of taste, then who's to say who's right and who's wrong? 
but if there is an objective standard, as, as we would maintain, if there is truly beauty, as the Bible describes, then we do have a basis on which to make decisions and judgments. Everybody, of course, is, you know, we're all fallible people, so we aren't always going to agree on everything, every application of our understanding of beauty from the Bible. Yet, gaining a standard like that is very helpful. I'll let Mark talk about a bit more in the interview. But before we turn to him, I do want to give you the, the commercial. And the commercial is subscribe to the Proclamative End podcast. If you haven't already done that, so that you can get every interview and uh, broadcast that we send your way. Also, if you will p- become a paying subscriber, you will be able to read the articles our authors have written right away online. Uh, of course, I'm saying this one is is going to be a freebie because it's just the opening editorial. We publish that on Front Proclaim and Defend anyway, so that's free. But uh, as we go through the next few weeks, you'll be getting interviews from the other authors of the magazine those articles will be available online to paying subscribers. Now, if you also subscribe annually, uh, we will send you a subscription to the print magazine as well. Besides getting these benefits from uh, being a subscriber, you also are able to help us in our ministry, and we do really appreciate it. We think that the Lord is giving us some very significant things to do, especially our chaplaincy ministry and then the ongoing ministry of Frontline Magazine. So we really do encourage you to subscribe. All right, the commercial's over. So uh, here goes my interview with Mark. Okay, well, I want to welcome Mark Herbster to our podcast. Uh, welcome to the Proclaim and Defend podcast. Now, the, our issue is, um, the God, is, the theme is the God of Beauty, and Mark is the coordinating editor for this issue. And he gave us right. the opening editorial, but he managed to get out of writing any articles himself. So I noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so right, Mark, exactly. Yeah, why don't you tell us, uh, first of all, before we get into that, I'd like you to tell us about your ministry, what you're uh, heading towards, and what's going on in your life. Yeah, so um, as some may know, uh, the Lord is directing us away from uh, ministry we've been involved in for five years here at Maranatha Baptist University. And... Um, Leading us back into uh, another type of ministry, I will be doing a lot of traveling and preaching. I am looking for a particular uh, ministry that allows me to have some of that autonomy, leadership ability, and, and those kinds of things, but have not firmly determined exactly what ministry that is yet. I have thoroughly enjoyed investing in the college age group. Um, it's one of my passions. It's one of my burdens is to pass on, uh, conservative values, uh, biblical truth to the next generation. Um, I'm turning 50 this next year and I know yeah. that to many people that still seems young, but, right. uh, for, I will tell you for the college age, I'm like uh, a veteran. So I'm <laughs> like, uh, I'm one of the old guys, but, uh, so I'm realizing that it's really important that we're articulating um, what we believe, why we believe it, why we have ministry philosophy the way we do. And uh, really, that goes to the heart and soul of why this issue of Frontline was so important to me. It is, uh, it is the fact that this theological truth of the beauty of God 
really is the foundation for many of our decisions in church, in life, in family, in how we appreciate what God has designed and what God has put into this world that is truly beautiful. And so uh, it, it was a real privilege to work on this uh, this this theme. I'm glad that uh, I was able to to get a number of excellent writers to who really are experts. They're really experts in their particular fields um, to articulate a lot of these truths very, very well for us. Right. Right. Well, that's really does cover a little bit about my first question. And uh, the uh, uh, I, I'm a little shocked when you say 50, because, you know, uh, we when you, I was in college or in seminary, your family was in the same church that we were. And I remember sitting behind your family and oh, really in the, in the fuse. And there were these three little boys sitting Southside there. Southside Baptist Church, right? That's right. And they uh-huh. were just uh, it was a great delight to observe your family. But I can't believe you. that was just yesterday, wasn't it? That, that, that was it's hard to believe. And yeah. God has God has been so good to me and my family. Both, of course, my, both my brothers are in the ministry as well. Uh, Matt's in Hong Kong. Mike's down at Southland Christian Ministries. And my dad's still plugging along, too. That's he, right. He never sits idly by. Yeah, that's great. Well, it's Lord uh, blesses uh, in many families. We have the opportunity of many people involved in the work one way or another. Uh, okay, so let uh, more about the theme. So um, did you select the theme or was it what was yes. it suggested to you? Okay, so you selected the theme. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. I suggested the theme. We had gotten together with uh, the, the group of editors with uh, Dr. Shaw. Yeah. And we were all giving ideas that we would like to see done and what we would like to uh, put our time and effort to. And I did, yeah, I selected this theme uh, with this kind of this vision in mind. Okay. So, and why, uh, like, as I've been talking to the other authors, I've got almost all of them uh, in a conversation for our future podcasts already. So you're, uh, you're sort of batting cleanup here, but the, <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. But but so one of the things I've observed. So obviously, when we talk about beauty, we get into things of the arts, and and often in our Christian circles, that comes down. They talk about the worship wars, but it seems like what we're talking about here in this level, talking about the God of beauty, we are getting underneath the worship wars. We're talking about sort of the foundational concepts that 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 are the reasons why the worship wars matter yeah absolutely i totally agree i think that you're picking up on a theme that we really wanted to come through and that is that worship and specifically the arts in worship which most people assume that means your music which is the, the the commanded the commanded uh element in our worship uh is singing that is only a symptom that's really only one facet of the application of this amazing quality of God that really should permeate every choice that we make in life. Now, for me, let me just give you a little background on how why this was so important to me, because um, over the last several years, investing in the college age group, 
I've become very burdened about specifically passing on what many, many call conservative values. Now that, that term conservative often is referred to politics. It's referred to people that are stricter than me. But in a real sense, the goal of a genuine believer is to be someone who is conserving, uh, as First Thessalonians 5.21 teaches us, proving all things, holding fast to that which is good. And so as I dug into this idea of passing on values like that, I came to the realization that really all of our values are built on the three transcendental properties of God. Truth, goodness, beauty. And as I started to, to really study this and research this, it became obvious to me that there is a huge emphasis on the truth side of things because it's very objective. It's the revelation of God and his word. There's a great emphasis on the goodness of God and the moral aspect, the, the, uh, the choices of our ethical decisions, which often are very obvious in the truth of God by way of dogmatic statements or even application of, of principle. But what was struck me is that there is very little talk about this more, as many would say, more of a subjective area from our perspective, the, the, the uh, subjective area of our perception of God's beauty, how it is defined, how it is portrayed, how it is represented in the world. And I feel like there's a lot of confusion about that. And that confusion needs to be cleared up because it is our view of beauty that touches the way we feel toward God. And this is how it all kind of winds together, because not only do we think right about God based on his truth and do right toward God based on his goodness and his moral character. But this is where it's missed a lot. We need to feel right toward God. We need to have right affections is is a key term, right? Affections. Set your affections on things above. And I, this is where I believe the talk of the theology of God's beauty really helps us as Christians to make good decisions which touch our our emotions, our feelings, or our affections. So that's kind of, it really was kind of a, a buildup for me. And some of the very authors that we utilize, some of the guys that have already been on the podcast, these are men that have impacted me. I've talked with them personally. I've read a lot of the, what they've written. I know their perspective, and I was very interested in getting their perspective out on this particular subject. Yeah, that's good. Now, that reminds me, as you spoke there, years ago when I was in college, uh, uh, I had a friend, we were talking, I think, I forget exactly the context, but he made a very striking uh, comment that stuck with me. He says, I don't want to serve God out of duty. Because it's the right thing to do. Right. I want to serve God because I love him. Because I, and I sort of struck me. I thought, oh, you're really uh, weird. Yeah. <laughs> but the more I think about it, that's exactly the right sentiment. We, we, 
you know, with our little kids, we wanted, as they're growing up, we want them to love the Lord. Right. Not just. Absolutely. You know, not just follow God because that's what dad does. Right. But for them to love God. Um, many years ago, there was a song we used to sing all the time. Still sing it some at, that's in, that was, uh, produced through the wilds, a passion for thee. And the last, the last phrase of that song says, not just to serve, but to love him with all of my heart. And I do think that, um, that's, you're touching on really kind of the theme of, of how the beauty of God should be cultivated in our hearts that we might adore him in an appropriate fitting way that really that word fitting as i've done some reading on this um theology of beauty the the idea of fittingness what are the choices we can make that would most be fitting for a god who is a king who who reigns over all a god who is majestic a god who is who is truly the essence of beauty. What is yeah, the most that, fitting way we can honor him? Absolutely. Yeah. And that is, uh, you know, there's so many aspects of our lives and we, our lives are often filled with, um, in our culture with ways of diverting ourselves, amusing ourselves. And, and, and that often is going to, the more we are, our minds are filled with that will draw us away from the Lord. Yeah. And, and absolutely. Service. Yeah. Now right. you, you mentioned a term there, which is, we've talked about it a couple of times with the other guys and I want you to talk about it too, because it's a big word and people, they, they're going to hear us use these big words and say, I don't get it. So that's that word transcendence. Right. And, and so God, you talk about the transcendent qualities. What does transcendence mean? And, uh, when we think about God yeah. and then in terms of beauty too, but first of all about God. Okay. So there's, there's two sides of God's attributes. There's his transcendent qualities. There's his eminent qualities. Eminence would have the idea of his working in our lives. How does he manifest himself in our experience in the journey of life? Transcendence would be those qualities of God that are above the earth, that are, they are heavenly. They are supernatural. They are, um, they belong exclusively to God. Um, now there's a little difference between what I was calling the transcendental properties of God in the sense that the transcendental property properties of God are those properties of God by which all things in life are determined. They are not fluctuating. They are rooted and grounded in the character of God. All things in life are determined by truth, goodness, and beauty, the beauty of God. They are most properly represented by God in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the embodiment, the embodiment of those transcendental properties. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the greatest expression of God's goodness because he never sinned. Jesus is truly a beautiful savior. As the songwriter said, fairest Lord Jesus, beautiful savior. Okay, so he is the embodiment of those transcendental properties. The other interesting thing about those, though those properties can be probably rightfully called transcendent qualities, 
I'm not sure that necessarily I'm saying that those are those are not eminent. There, there's an eminence with his goodness, truth, and beauty as well. But here's the other interesting thing about what we call transcendental properties. This is something that philosophers have talked about for years, is that they don't contradict each other either. So truth, goodness, and beauty are unified. They are unified in their expressions in the world. They don't fight against each other. They work together with each other, those, those transcendental properties. It's interesting that even some of the ancient philosophers were recognizing these properties as the central uh, foundation for all of life. Um, and, and this is why it's important that we recognize that beauty is not in the eye of the, the beholder, because though it is subjective to our experience, it is objectively rooted in the character of God because truth, goodness, and beauty are not relative. They are objectively, uh, they're objective standards for us, uh, to, to make sure we are building our lives on, on those things that are, that are not fluctuating or not unstable. I don't know if that makes sense. I hope that. Okay. Well, we'll, well let's, let's, I'm going to ask some questions to help you with, help sure. you explain it some more. So the, when we talk about, um, subjectivity like so that's part of the thing like we experience beauty and right. so there's certain things we like and uh uh but you know like somebody else doesn't like exactly the same things i do that's why we say it's subjective and we'll say it comes down to preference but i guess what we're saying is with god and you use the term there truth beauty and goodness they're they're interrelated it's not like you have okay here's the beauty section Here's the truth section of God. Right. And so there is, there is about true beauty. There is a true beauty and yes. there is a more, there is a moral beauty. Uh, and there's a beautiful truth and you see what I'm saying. Right. So, so that, in other words, what we're saying here is that this goodness and this beauty that we're trying to extol isn't up to me to decide. Just right. by my experience, just because I like it, because I can like something in my fallen nature. Correct. That is, that's is, ugly. That's ugly. That, that, yeah. yeah. And that shouldn't be a part of our taste. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that you're touching on something that's really important. And that is, that is that Christians that are consumed with the beauty of God internally should be externally applying that to all of these discernment decisions. Now, I do want to say that it is important that we show kindness and deference to other believers that may make decisions uh, based upon their view of God and his beauty. We show kindness and deference, but this does not negate the fact that beauty in, in God's, from God's perspective is very objective. God, God is an objective God. He, he is not, um, hoping, you know, that we just find our way. He is wanting us to take biblical principles. He has exhibited his beauty in his word, in Christ, in creation. There are elements. There are things that we can look at like unity and, and a perspective and variance. And color, these are things that God himself 
created and has showcased for us in his word, there are things we can use to discern. And yes, our tastes and our preferences may be varied. But as a Christian that loves God and his beauty, we should always be seeking to get as close to what his objective beauty is. And this is, these are tough, these are tough discussions. Um, at some point, at some point along the way, we have to trust when it comes to the arts, when it comes to creative arts, which I do believe beauty affects, and we have several articles about that, about how do we appreciate the arts and how do artists actually make sure they're doing things that match God's beauty. And there's a couple excellent articles about that in the, in the issue. I think when it comes to the arts, especially, uh, there, there does come a point where we do have to trust people who have studied that art. There are expressions that are ugly. There are expressions that are beautiful and people that are passionate about those arts have, have studied and come to great conclusions about what makes something truly excellent and what makes something benign or, or banal or, or shallow. What makes something shine and what makes something cause people to walk away and go, that was, not, that was weak. And so there are elements and, and these are tough. Those are tough, um, things to discern through. But, but my concern is that we have a whole generation of Christians that are basically saying it's all up in the air. It's all free. And your, your taste can be different than my taste. And both of you can be right. And both of you can be pleasing God. Well, I think that that that's not really true. That's basically saying all of the arts and all of the creative arts are very neutral. And that's, that's not true for several reasons because of the nature of beauty and because of the nature of communication of the arts. The arts are a communication form. And there's a whole lot that could be said there, but I do think that it's also important that I acknowledge that there is a variance of, of, of taste and preference that probably fits into a little bit of a Christian liberty type discussion. But, but what I want to be very strong about is that it's not okay for us to say that in the heart of God and the plan of God, it's all up in the air that we, we, we need to have discernment and deference at the same time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's that's true. And, you know, I think as we look at these things and talk about various expressions, we can, you know, like we could say, okay, so maybe the classical um, music or classical art, we can say, okay, there's beauty there. People appreciate it for hundreds of years, perhaps. And then we can also come up with examples that almost every Christian would say that either it's ugly or it's not appropriate. Like it's really... In fact, it's it's actually wicked. We can yeah, find examples absolutely. of the arts that it's wicked. The problem is, in between, we say, oh, well, in between, it doesn't matter. Well, no, in between still matters. But that's where we have to develop the discernment. Yeah, and I think there's, uh, if somebody's serious about this, there are so many resources available to actually help discern what is fitting for a holy God. And what is not fitting. And I'm not just talking about our corporate worship. I do think there's application to our corporate worship, of course. 
I'm talking about even in, and this is my concern for the younger generation is that they, they get away from compartmentalizing their, their Christianity to, well, this is what I do at church and this is what I do at home. But the three levels of application really are personal life. I mean, we each need to determine how am I going to best express God's character, including his beauty in my personal life. Secondly, in my family. And I'm really burdened about this because I think that strong churches are built by strong families and we have a lot of weak families. We have a lot of families that are not handling the cultural elements of the world very well. They're, and so I think that the application is secondly in our families. And then of course, thirdly, in our ministry philosophies, in our worship and how we, how we actually directly worship the Lord. But as you know, and as really all Christians should know, all of life is worship. So everything I do should be properly representing the beauty of God. And it does affect, obviously, the arts, especially. I think that we think of the aesthetics arena, the philosophy of how do we determine what's truly good and what's truly ug- what's truly beautiful, what's truly ugly, what's good, what's evil. And as you said, there's some clear lines on the good side and the evil side. And then there's this category where we have to struggle through. And that's part of being sanctified. It's part of, um, it's part of being changed into his image from glory to glory. And, and I do think that the deeper I go in this area of God's character, this particular area of God's beauty, I think the more it changes my my perspective on like what what is truly beautiful and what is truly ugly. Uh, You mentioned that some of the obvious things. um, One thing I've been one thing I use sometimes as an example is I caught this uh, newscast a few years ago where this this town somewhere in the U.S. I don't remember where it was. They had actually set up they had actually set up a nativity in their town and the nativity scene was a zombie nativity. So again, there, there's, ex, there's an obvious example of how something is not fitting, is not appropriate to represent God in his Christmas story, the story of Christ with zombies. Okay. So this is just not, and most Christians can clearly see that, but see, I think that that's the, that's an extreme example of some other things that are happening in the church today that that just don't fit when you really know who God is. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I, I, I think in this whole exercise, you mentioned in the editorial that we don't want this to be just in, an intellectual exercise where we're correct, you know, philosophizing and getting into all the weeds of, uh, you know, all this highfalutin language and stuff. We, we want to get to where people live. Right. Uh, and so and so you've been hitting on that personal life choices and 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 we I guess we want to love God in everything we do. Yeah, I think that the, the, the what what we're representing in the in the issue is a pattern that should be applied to really all of God's character qualities. And that is we should have, as I say in the in the introduction, we should have an internal awareness of that attribute. That internal awareness comes as we study God's word and we we get to know God. The people that know God will be strong. And we glory in what we know to be true about God, Jeremiah 9, verse 23. 
But then theology is meant to be practiced. The attributes of God can be lived out in our lives. And that second category is, so this the internal awareness that, that I mentioned. And then secondly, the external acknowledgement. And that external acknowledgement is in the, the practical decisions we're making in life. Because what we know to be true about God should impact the decisions I make in my personal life, family life, and church life, just like I was mentioning. And that really is uh, the, the, the whole goal of this issue. And, 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 and the bigger global problem that we face in Christianity is we just have, we have people that are many, many people and many congregations that just are shallow in their understanding of who God is. Yeah. Some of that's fostered. Some of that's fostered by pragmatic philosophies of, of leaders. Some of it's fostered by inter, the entertainment culture and the entertainment being brought into the church. But we have a very shallow church and going, going deep with God, getting a depth of understanding of this kind of truth with practical application, I think starts to help us. Um, when we show up to church, we realize there's something bigger going on. We are honoring a beautiful God. We are honoring a God who is full of truth, goodness, and beauty. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one thing for a new believer. I mean, obviously they, they aren't deep yet, <laughs> but, but it's yes. for those, those that have been, you know, they've been going to church for years and they still haven't really progressed. And there's a, like, and sometimes you, you sort of get the impression that people think as long as I got the right doctrine, as long as I'm going to the right church, then I'm okay. And there's not a lot of purposeful effort in their personal Christian growth. Right. A couple of the verses that I referenced um, in, in the introduction really help us to see that it's not okay for us to just kind of casually go through life. Um, we are to be proving all things. Philippians chapter one. Proving what is acceptable to the Lord. Ephesians chapter five. And ultimately, it's because of God's attributes. It's because of who he is. It's because of his glory. Yeah, uh, I've worked many, many summers at the wilds. We say it every meal. And, but it, but it, it's a verse that we know, we know well. Whatever we do, whatsoever we do, whether we eat or drink, we do all to the glory of God. And I, I think that when we go deep into God's character and we, uh, we really mine out the beauty of God, it really affects the way I appreciate true beauty. It affects the way I create things. It affects the way I worship the Lord. It affects the choices of my entertainment. It affects all of those things. Right. Right. Yeah, that's right. Well, you mentioned uh, change into his image. And actually, uh, my wife and I just read that very chapter this morning as we were getting going here. And uh, it is. Uh, so it, that's talking about our growth. And and um, uh, could you comment on how our growth and appreciating beauty then uh, shapes us as believers as we, you know, we sort of realize, oh, you know, God isn't pleased with this choice. How does that help us and shape us? Yeah, I think that, well, I think the foundation is, of course, recognizing the objective beauty of God in his glory, his majesty. There's many terms the scripture uses. I think some of that was articulated in some of the articles as well. 
And I think that that is the root and foundation of all Christian growth is that the Holy Spirit is illuminating our hearts and minds to understand the scripture. And the scripture is about God and about God's plan for this world. And really the central theme is uh, of the Bible is there is a redeemer. His name is Jesus. And Jesus is the most incredible representation of God's character. I think that um, as we, as we grow as Christians, if you're a new believer and you've just gotten saved, that part of the growth that you experience is even hearing something like this or reading some of these articles and saying, wow, there's actually more to this than just, um, am I following the Ten Commandments or am I obeying what Paul said in the, th- those are important. But I think that w- when we get down to the heart of like, what is the foundation and the motivation for why we're choosing what we're choosing, why we're doing what we're doing? And uh, that, that that's when sp- real spiritual maturity is happening. Um, as the as the text we just mentioned, it changed from glory into glory. I mean, and God is doing that day by day as we are growing in him. And everybody's on a different trajectory. Everybody's any true believer is truly being sanctified. We know that the scripture says the sanctification begins the moment we get saved. And of course, the New Testament tells us multiple times that that we put off the old man. And I would I would submit that part of the old man. Is. Rejoicing in ugliness, rejoicing in evil, rejoicing in things that don't honor God. Things that are not truly excellent, things that are not truly beautiful. Part of what we put off is the desire to be involved in those things. We renew our minds. Part of the way we do that is by reading things like like these articles, reading the word of God about God's beauty. And then we put on things that match what we've learned. As we've changed our thinking and my uh, I have a particular burden in this area because because I'm a musician, because I appreciate the arts. I do think there is it's really sad to see how many Christians do not truly appreciate things that are truly excellent in the arts. And uh, I think that that uh, one of my particular um, emphasis when I speak with young families is I think that starts that appreciation for the arts starts when the children are very young and in whether they're where, whether they've accepted Christ or not, you can, you can start to push them towards things that are truly excellent with excellent literature, with excellent music, with excellent, even things that, uh, that are not specifically sacred, excellent um, concerts and symphonies and, and things that they can appreciate, even even art, art, art galleries and things like that, where they can actually start appreciating things that are truly excellent. And it is it is really sad. Our culture, our culture lifts up things that aren't excellent. And uh, people are making lots and lots of money on things that are not that really are not the most excellent in quality um, and don't don't match the kind of you know, the kind of elements that really make something truly beautiful. But I I think everybody is growing in this. And the the question is, are we growing? Are we recognizing where we need to put off things that aren't truly beautiful and where we need to put on things that are, that are truly excellent. Right. 
Right, I think that's true. It is a, definitely a process, and it it takes time. I think this issue of Frontline is a good start. Uh, it's sort of like a primer, uh, but but we need more. So I wonder if you are there any things that you other resources that you might uh, that might come to mind that we could recommend and uh, to our listeners. Yes, uh, several of the writers um, have written um, really easily read books that that you can work through in areas of beauty in the arts. And uh, actually, I really I really um, appreciate what Scott Annual has written on a Christian and culture. Uh, his book on music is, in my mind, one of the greatest uh, books to help us articulate how music touches our affections, how music should represent good communication and should represent the beauty of God. It's called Worship in Song by Scott Annual. David DeBrain, who wrote a couple articles, I really appreciate his work for us on this this issue because he he uh, did his doctoral work in the area of beauty specifically, and I'm thankful for Dr. Kevin Bowder who recommended me me communicating with David DeBrain. He has several resources that are very very helpful. One particular uh, book that he has called The Conservative Church. Um, has been a resource we've used at our seminary in a, in a, in a couple of our classes. I also, um, have appreciated a little booklet, um, that was put out through Religious Affections Ministries that had several, um, people, um, adding information to this book. It's called a conservative declaration. It's a tiny little book that can be read in very short setting that really articulates kind of some, what they call some articles of truth for a true conservative. And I think it really uh, can spark some very good discussion um, with individuals and families. Now, if you, if you're wanting to get to something that's really thick and deep and you want to wade through an actual theology book on beauty Jonathan King has a Theology of Beauty book. I referenced uh, one of his uh, quotes in the introduction. Uh, as I've been weeding through this and, and, and plowing through it, it's very, very good, very deep. And you have to, he's, you kind of, it's a little bit like C.S. Lewis. You got to read him a couple times to catch what he was actually saying. Um, brilliant, brilliant scholar. And it's, it's called the Theology, a, a Theology of Beauty. It's, it's a, it's really a helpful book, um, right. but there's so many great resources out there. Um, I hope, I do hope that this issue will send a lot of people on a journey to really delve into this this category of God's qual God's characteristics, this this category of beauty, because I think that we're missing. We, a lot of Christians are missing out on how this subject affects the way we interact with God and the way we engage with God and our affections toward God. Right. Yeah, taking a little bit of time to study is really part of our devotional life. I mean, it's not just, I mean, we do, we want to emphasize the Bible. Uh, we're recording this before the new year. Actually, it'll come out. We'll probably put, put, put this podcast out first for this issue. It'll come out the first week of January, but then, we're going to bring out the rest through the next few weeks. 
but January or the December, I guess 31st, New Year's Eve is the last Sunday of uh, December. So I'm planning my annual read your Bible message. And, uh, and that's, you know, we, we, we grow by that, but we also grow by tools like uh, good Christian magazines, like frontline magazine. So we want to put our plug in for our magazine. Uh, it's, it's so Absolutely. helpful. You know, you, you pick up and you read an article. God uses one little thing in that and it stays in your head and you, and the Lord begins to build you. So if you're reading that kind of literature, you're going to grow. And that's what we're after. I think these, that for me, one of the greatest things about working on these kinds of issues is rep, is representing what, what we would call the, in the, in the FBFI, fundamental Baptist truth with, with guys that are excellent scholars. And let me just tell you, these writers are some of the top scholars on this issue. And yet they are all very consistent, separated men of God who hold the fundamental doctrine and live separated lives. Think of John Johnson, who wrote the, one of the articles. He's, my, he's a pastor over in Hong Kong. He is an artist. He has a PhD in philosophy. He has an undergrad degree in art. He has written for multiple sources on the subject of beauty and, and ugliness and how do you distinguish the two. He, his whole perspective, his whole emphasis is on the philosophy of aesthetics. Excellent, excellent writer. I wish he could write the whole issue. Scott Annual, of course, uh, you know, great writer on the area of worship and culture and, and just so many things. He's a theologian, but he's also a musician. Dr. Doug Backrick, who is our, our dean of the School of Music here at Maranatha, just phenomenal at writing and, and talking about philosophy of music. Joel Arnold, David DeBrain. These guys are um, just outstanding writers. And I love to talk about that to my young guys because they're so they're so interested in reading all of the scholars that are a part of evangelicalism. And there are a lot of great guys, a lot of great scholars. But we are very blessed in our fundamental circles, whatever you, the separated world, which I believe in. We're very blessed to have gifted, gifted men of God. And uh, you're seeing that. You'll, you'll hear that when you hear their podcasts and you'll re read that when you read as you read through these articles. And so, yeah, I, I'm so thrilled to be a part of this. And honestly, it's one of the reasons why I didn't even write, write an article, because I've got. These are guys I'm learning from. And I, not that I couldn't write an article, but I wanted the guys that truly have influenced me as I've read things they've written, as I've talked to them personally, that I wanted them to be impacting people just like they impacted me. Well, that's great. Well, Mark, I want to thank you for this conversation. It, it's really been uh, good. I, it introduces the issue uh very well i i mean uh, we're, our timing's a little off because it actually went in the mail i think last week so you know we'll be a little bit behind but that's okay we well, want to encourage people to subscribe to get the magazine and all of that and and i really appreciate your taking time to be a part of this podcast today thank you so much for all you're doing too bro don and uh it's been a privilege and i do hope that this will stir people to deeper truths Amen. All right. Well, thanks once again. And this is Don Johnson signing off for the Proclaim and Defend podcast.
This has been the Proclaim and Defend podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and give us a good review. If you want to learn more about the FBFI, check out our website at fbfi.org or our blog, Proclaim and Defend, at proclaimanddefend.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Proclaim and Defend podcast.